The History of Alternative Podcast. A historic look back at everything alternative. We all love a good story. And who are we to let the truth get in the way of those good stories? Urban legends have always been part of the modern music experience, dating all the way back to when Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil in exchange for success. Even before the Internet, these urban legends were well-traveled. Paul McCartney died in 1966 and was replaced with a lookalike. Mama Cass died by choking on a ham sandwich. Rod Stewart had to have his stomach pumped after a particularly social evening with a group of sailors. This is the History of Alternative podcast. I'm James Van Ostel. That, I think, is John Manley. Or is it? This History of Alternative podcast is sponsored by St. Xavier University. St. Xavier University educates students for competence, character, and career success through high-quality programs and clear college-to-career pathways. Celebrating 175 years of rich mercy and Catholic tradition at SXU, you'll find the best in you, and possibly Bigfoot, or so I've been told. So we're going to look at some of the alternative music urban legends in this podcast. But first, I think it's helpful just to think about why urban legends spread and endure. If you look at what the Atlantic says, one theory of cultural transmission argues that stories, myths, and religious concepts are most likely to endure when they have enough familiar elements to feel plausible, but also have two or three counterintuitive elements to make them memorable. So it's that believability combined with that shock factor. And I think we're going to hear and and see a lot of that as we discuss urban legends today. I am super excited for this podcast. And yes, I have plenty of ammunition and shock factor urban legends involving music that I cannot wait to get started. But I'm a gentleman. I will allow you to go first, James. If you would like to start us off with your first urban legend, fire one up for me, dude. Well, just to put things into further context, the BBC, I'm I'm sticking on the professorial tip for a second. The BBC BBC says the most popular tales, the most popular urban legends tend to evoke strong emotions. This ties into where we're going next, I swear. And the feeling of disgust seems to make a story particularly potent. The feeling of disgust. So we talked about counterintuitive elements and the feeling of disgust that is how we begin uh, with a twofer from marilyn manson who we without question find to be a disgusting human being we're, we're not bringing him up at the start of the podcast in a show of support we we're all well aware of the awful things he stands accused of but when it comes to music urban legends he is named in two of the most enduring of the past 30 years and let's just start with Again, going to that idea of that feeling of disgust, the counterintuitive counterintuitive elements, the urban legend where Marilyn Manson had one of his ribs removed so that he could perform autofillatio. You've heard it. Everyone's heard this one. I think I heard the legend before I heard the music, to be honest with you on that one. (laughs) And yeah. Which asks a lot of questions of yourself where, why did I go down that rabbit hole after hearing that? Where I was like, I got to check this guy's music out. Did I? (laughs) Did I? Why was that the catalyst? But yeah, I mean, that's got to be the most, well, there's probably one higher profile urban legend, which we will obviously get to later. But that's got to be one of the biggest musical urban legends of the last 25 years, right? Absolutely. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning. I mean, this is pre-internet when that started circulating or before the internet became the internet. The fact that this is as well-traveled as it is, is amazing. And I think 
after doing a little research on it, it all stems from the fact that he tried to simulate the act on stage once, and that just somehow snowballed into him actually doing it on stage. And the only way, well, surely the only way he could do that is if he had a rib removed. Surely, of course. And he denied it in his own autobiography, but he also hasn't gone to great lengths to deny it. He kind of likes the the mystery and the aura and the sleaziness associated with his image. Well, when you're that kind of the character, you kind of need it, right? I mean, all of the great um, character actors, I don't know how you describe these people. Like what's the right word for it? Uh, Characters, I guess, you know, Um, you know, Alice Cooper is a, a great example where it's like, there's so many, you know, Oh, he ate a pigeon or like live animals, Ozzy eating a live bat mm-hmm. and things like that. It is an aura. It is a Led Zeppelin worshiping the devil. I don't know if that's on our list, but we, you know, like that's the whole thing, right? Like Led Zeppelin with the mud shark, that's right? Another big urban legend. <laughs> right. So like, why, you know, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you let people run with it? Because it's such a, a ridiculous thing that it's like, it adds to the aura and you're like, Whoa, what's this guy about? Like, he's crazy. Manor James Keenan, you know, from tool, like there's the big thing that he was satanic and, you know, um, there was a rumor that he had a room in his house that was six by six by six. And that's where the devil gave him lyrics to tool songs. And it's completely ridiculous. But when you think of Tool, you go, that band's creepy. You know what right. I mean? And part of it is because you hear these things, you're like, I could see that being true. Well, that's just it. And it goes back to what I, I said that the Atlantic said, and this makes so much sense, enough familiar elements to feel plausible. There's just enough of a thread to make it believe. If you sat down and rationalized it, you can make a case for it. And then sometimes they're so absurd that you can't make a case for it, right? Like, Speaking of Marilyn Manson, him being Paul from the Wonder Years, which was the other, the, the complete opposite end of the spectrum of like, this guy is S in his own D. No, no, no. He's the dude from the Wonder Years. Yeah, the most wholesome thing in the world. Right. And any simple, it, not even Google search, any simple visits to the library could have debunked this. But yes, the, the urban legend was that he was Paul Pfeiffer, the best friend of Kevin on the Wonder Years. Uh, that character was played by Josh Saviano. Saviano was born on March 31st, 1976. Brian Warner, Marilyn Manson, born on January 5th, 1969. Not the same person. How can this is something that is so easily disproved? The fact that it circulated as widely as it did is illogical. Well, speaking of cases of mistaken identities, I've got one for you here. This is one of my favorites because it's just absurd. The rumor, the, the urban legend focuses around the Canadian princess of pop punk. Avril Lavigne. Yeah. By the way, great podcast about pop punk right here on this very podcast. One week ago, go into the back catalog, listen to the history of alternative pop punk podcast. It's easier to listen to than it is to say. I'm just saying it is uh, featuring special guest, Tom Higginson of plain white tees. Who's a delight. So much fun. So the urban legend around Avril Lavigne is that she actually died of Lyme disease. But she had a clone, and now the clone lives and is married to the lead singer of Nickelback. It is not really Avril Lavigne. Also, she's featured on a song that we play on 101's WKQX. She works with this guy, Modson. 
and she's kind of coming back, but it's not the same Avril. It's a clone because this, the real Avril is dead. And this is just a 21st century version of the Paul McCartney urban. Yeah. Legend. Yeah. Um, Dave Gahan from Depeche Mode. You know, the urban legend was that he thought he was a vampire and he slept in coffins backstage. Right. Is that true? Like, is this is one I want to ask you, like, I don't know how much you know about this, but like, is that one true? Cause I it's, feel like that one's true. It's true. It's, yeah. it's true-ish. He, he's an interesting guy. Uh, by the way, the ladies love Dave Gunn. Yes. That, that, that is not an urban legend. That is a fact. Uh, he had a bed that was coffin shaped but not an actual coffin. So it's, it's an almost true urban legend. It's true enough that you can, you can actually give that an affirmative. I mean, the ladies must have really loved Dave Gahan if they went into a bedroom with a coffinish bed and they're like, I'm still in. <laughs> That's the modern version of the race car bed. The, <laughs> it's the, the goth version. <laughs> yeah, the, the goth version of the race car bed. I, I think sixth grade was the year you had to get rid of the race car bed. I heard that uh, the lead singer of My Chemical Romance was conceived in a coffin-shaped bed, and that's why he's so emo. I believe that's true. I just made that up right now. I just made I up our, our own urban legend. That's amazing. Start spreading that. <laughs> um, this one is actually pretty dark, but I want to bring it up because it was one of those ones that I read, and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And then you realize, like, I feel like urban legends in the 21st century have become urban facts, and it kind of makes me uncomfortable. But an urban legend, this is a dark one. A meeting occurred in 1991, which included reps from all the major record labels and met behind closed doors and decided to change the direction of rap from its, you know, MC Hammer. Uh, Run DMC. Run DMC, Vanilla Ice, Ninja Rap stuff to uh, gangster rap. And the reason being is to drive up the crime rate and fill private prisons because they also, the record labels also held stocks in private prisons. Wow. That's convoluted. Yeah. That's a dark. It's dark. And there throughout history, there have always been conspiracy theories, urban legends about basically star chambers, groups of elite secrets, powerful people gathering together to change the course of history in Marvel comics. They're the Illuminati, but th this is bananas. The, the, there's, and I, be, I believe that people believe this, but sure. there's, there's no justification for ever buying into something like that. The record labels exist to do one thing and one thing only. And this is a proven fact. And that one thing is to make money. Influencing culture and driving <laughs> all of that stuff <laughs> is a byproduct of making money. I'm surprised I hadn't heard that one, but it, it is fascinating. It's discouraging. It's disheartening how quickly urban legends or untruths spread in our modern day. I mean, I'm certainly not the first one to say it. You're not the first one to say it as of last fall. Hey, here's the problem. People see headlines in social media and they don't dig beyond that. Yeah. They, as they're scrolling through, they'll skim headlines and retain that information but they don't dig. They don't challenge. They don't go to the original source. There was a story that circulated on social media um, last fall that Facebook was going to ban all of its live live streams and videos that created a, quote, music listening experience. Now, at this point, October 2020, we were at peak pandemic and every artist, every label, everyone was trying to find ways to present content online with performances. 
find ways to engage audiences. We did it at 101 WKQX. We're still doing it because we're still at home. So that was the headline everyone saw. Facebook's banning videos with live music. And all of a sudden, across the entire broadcast industry, and I saw a lot in the music industry, people were saying, screw Facebook. We don't need them. Let's find a solution to Facebook. You know, we're done with them anyway. What do they know? Problem was, it wasn't true. Hmm. But it, it, it spread. Facebook was just trying to make sure that on individual users, not branded pages, individual users, live streams, they weren't using copyrighted content, copyrighted music in their personal live video streams. That was the substance of the story. But all these brands, all these entertainment companies were ready to write Facebook off because this had spread so quickly. And really, all anyone had to do is spend five minutes and read the article. Yeah, that's that's too long. I used to do a, a bit at a former radio station. I'd called it too long, didn't read news. <laughs> and it was I would just read a headline and then make up a story. Like that must mean that this is happening. And it was completely I just made it up on the spot. It was my favorite. Um, you spoke about social media's impact on and the internet's impact on urban legends now and you know how maybe dangerous it's becoming, right? Um, in the early days, this is one that I found that was in the early days of internet sleuthing. Uh, this one gained a lot of steam back around early 2000s. And that is the urban legend that Andrew WK is not a real person, which I have definitive proof that he is, in fact, a real person. I could probably call him right now. Or should I say, using air quotes, him right now? <laughs> <laughs> I had not heard. Well, if he's not a real person, what is he? He is a marketing scheme developed by the record companies. The record companies, man, diabolical geniuses, really. It's, it's, it's bizarre to me that they keep trying to shove Justin Bieber down our throats when they can just magically make these things appear, right? Like stuff First like of all, that. record labels are like radio stations. It, it, they're populated by C students. students no, yeah. no, no one is planning anything that complex at the, the record or radio level. Uh, Andrew WK was constructed by Andrew WK. Correct. Everything you've seen here was constructed by him. He's a genius in that regard, but he, yeah, he's a, he's a real human being. And he's a really interesting human being. He's super he's a smart weird guy. He's a weird guy for sure. Like he is not, he is not what you expect when you meet him. Uh, when he turns off the Andrew WK, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. When he just becomes a human, it's, it's really weird and, and very cool. He's a really interesting guy. But this whole thing started back in the early 2000s because there was this dude who goes by the name of Steve Mike who kind of started making it his mission to attack Andrew WK and threaten to spill beans on him, although there were really no beans to spew or spill. So what he would do was basically any Andrew WK website or message board or whatever, he would hack them and threaten to release this incriminating information about Andrew WK to the point that it had gained so much steam that back in 2005, there's like this famous concert that happened in New Jersey where apparently it wasn't Andrew WK on stage. And there's photos and it spewed, it spawned this whole other side thing of Andrew WK is just a marketing tool and built in a lab. And it's a character no different than a Teddy Ruxpin 
or a Chester <laughs> cheetah or whatever. As a, a related side note, I think I may have mentioned this to you off mic. There is a fantastic comic book series that came out last year called the Department of Truth. It's an image comic book. And to, to oversimplify it, it imagines what if every urban legend was actually true? Oh, wow. It is this super well done, well crafted story. James Tinian, Tinian uh, wrote it. I love it. It's called the Department of Truth. It's been collected into trade paperback, but it ties into what we're talking about here. And it brings in all these different urban legends, contemporary and otherwise. So like Tupac and Elvis are, are truly in Cuba hanging out and doing exactly. all those things. That's Essentially, great. if you can think it, it exists. I dig it. I dig it. Hey, uh, I've got a question for you. Did the, yes. CIA, did the CIA write the Scorpion's massive hit, Wind of Change? <laughs> I see we're going off the alternative script. Yes, of course they did. Yeah, it's true. And there's a whole other podcast to prove it. I can't remember the name of it, but I've listened to it. It is very good, but it also proves that the CIA did not have anything to do with Wind of Change. Although there are some pretty interesting coincidences revolving that song and the U.S.'s attempt to combat uh, Russian propaganda during the Cold War. And say what you will about Scorpion's Wind of Change, top five whistle song of all time. That is not an urban legend. That is an urban fact. It is. <laughs> Can confirm. And thank you for not asking me what the other four are, because I would have totally choked. Uh, oh, that's a whole other. You know what? That's for another podcast. Whistle songs. Yes. I'm way, I'm way into that. We're going to get super narrow. I'm so sidetracked now. Like, do you want to wrap this? Because now all I can think about is whistling. <laughs> now, let's talk. Uh, let's jump to the 90s. Okay. First thing I want to talk about, I'm going to call this little segment the uh, the Cobain Triangle because this is uh, this is really fun because this just goes deeper and deeper and deeper until you end up in a place where you go, there's no way any of this is true, which is kind of my favorite kind of conspiracy theories. Like there's moments where you go, I can see this, I can see it. And then by the end of it, you're going, I wasted seven hours on the internet. Whoa. Like, so we're going to start here. So okay. Kurt Cobain. As a figure, he's almost mythological. What Correct. he contributed to music, we know what he contributed. It, his talent, his songwriting changed, changed the course of popular culture, changed the course of music. When you reach that level of attention and interest, separate mythologies develop around you. And I think that's what we saw with him. People wanted to create stories and to try and understand this complicated guy who checked out way too early. And he was, and he was a member of the Twenty Seven Club, which is with Joplin and Hendrix and Amy Winehouse. Cobain, Amy Winehouse, like that's a, I don't, you don't call that an urban legend, but that's like a whole other, like rock star curse kind of thing. Yeah, it's, we'll call it a weird coincidence. There you go, a coinky dink, as my mm -hmm. mom used to like to say. So the first point of the Cobain Triangle is uh, involves white Bic lighters. JVO. This is um, new to me. Yes. Apparently, as the rumor goes, um, according to their official autopsies, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, and Kurt Cobain all died with white Bic lighters in their pockets. Therefore, white Bic lighters are bad luck and are cursed. 
here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing, JVO. One, there are only seven lighters in circulation in the world. So therefore, they cannot all be white pick lighters. Second of all, and this is more damning evidence than that whole thing. Half of those people don't even have official autopsies. Uh, James, James Morrison or Jim Morrison died in a bathtub, therefore mm-hmm. did not have pockets. I mean, you could speculate on where that pick lighter could be. I'll, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> and uh, also uh, maybe more definitive proof is, is Bick didn't even have disposable lighters when uh, those legends died. So boom, there's, there's that. <laughs> So, so that, that, that corner of the triangle has been cut off. Correct. But it has brought up the death of Kurt Cobain, which leads me into. Let's go into Kurt Cobain is actually still alive. And as a matter of fact, he's hiding in plain sight right in your face. You've listened to him recently on 101 WKQX. And that is because Kurt Cobain is in fact Rivers Cuomo of Weezer. (laughs) How does this even happen? I don't know, but when I was typing this out for my notes, I wrote Rivers Cobain is Kurt Cobain, so I'm pretty sure this was actually true. I mean, sonically, it doesn't even make sense. It makes no sense at all. This is one of those ones that you like... (laughs) It's almost embarrassing that this got legs because when you read it on paper, you go, this is your proof. Uh, Rivers Cuomo was born right around the same time as Kurt Cobain. There's your first coincidence. <laughs> One of the here's 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 even more damning evidence. One of the earliest known vi- videos of Weezer performing ever was back in 1992, and Rivers had long hair, kind of like Kurt Cobain. Ooh. <laughs> the only thing they had in common was they were both on Geffen Records. the The first Weezer album came out in May of 1994. Which, oh no, that was a month after Kurt Cobain died. Correct. Well, here, if, if I haven't swayed you yet, James, maybe this, maybe this will help. Um, not only has Rivers Cuomo stated that Kurt Cobain was one of his heroes, so why not actually be him? But also, during Weezer's hiatus after the Pinkerton debacle, uh, Cuomo performed a little mini set of music under the band name Goat Punishment. Do you know what songs he played during that show? Were they, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guess. Were they Nirvana? Yes, they were. And do you know why they were Nirvana songs, James? Be- because he's Kurt Cobain? I rest my case. Oh. The only so- problem with this is Kurt Cobain's dead, which leads us into the last and maybe greatest. Wait, now, hang on. I, I'm, still, I'm still struggling with this. Okay. If Rivers Cuomo is Kurt Cobain, how come Weezer hasn't released a good album in 20 years? You should have let me just continue on, James. That was rude. <laughs> um, I wish people could see this podcast because the little bastard glimmer in your eye is shining very. That was a very good moment. Like you're very proud of yourself. And I appreciate no, I'm not. That. I'm, I feel awful. I'm... Do you? Yeah. <laughs> There's an urban legend right there. James Announcer feels bad about dragging Weezer on the Internet. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, no, no I, I take it back. No, the past couple albums have been great. Uh, the last couple, the is it the black album or the white album? What they call the last one or second to last one was really, really good. Um, for the record, so good you can't remember the name. 
I, it's a color. It's either the it's a white album, but I think they call it the black album. I think they're playing with my mind there. Um, but go back, figure that one. If, if you can figure that one out, go listen to it. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so for that to be true, that would mean Kurt Cobain is dead, right? Correct. And that leads into the final piece of the Cobain triangle. And for my money, the best musical urban legend since Mama Cass died from eating a ham sandwich. And that, of course, the biggest urban legend of them all for music. Mm-hmm. Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain. And th- this one isn't done yet. This one will last forever. This will never be debunked. And I'll tell you why it will never be debunked. Because it's already been debunked and people just choose not to believe facts. I, re- I mean, I remember I worked in radio. I worked on WKQX after Kurt died. And I remember saying on the air things like, you know, Kurt took his life, Kurt committed suicide, and people would light up the phones and just rage at me for not telling the whole story, for for hiding the truth, for being part of a media cover-up, not wanting to acknowledge what really happened. Which, by the way, since I feel like conspiracy theories have gotten to the point of dangerous consequences at this point, I always shudder every time you hear someone blame the media for something. I'm just going to debunk every urban legend about that right now. As a member of, air quotes, the media, (laughs) at, at no point in my entire life has any man in a suit or any email from anonymous come across my desk telling me to push any agenda, forward any lies, or try to convince you into doing anything that will cause you harm. I'm so, glad, I'm so glad you said that every time I read about how the media is behind all these horrible things, like people from TV and print won't return my calls or emails. And that's been the case for 25 years in Chicago. They want nothing to do with me or yeah. anyone in radio. Every, media is so siloed just in yeah. general. There's no any kind of consolidated thought anywhere. Now, let me be clear. I would love to have the ability and power to dictate (laughs) the news cycle to my advantage, right? Like that would be awesome. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So, all right. So the final urban legend. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Sorry. 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 So for the final urban legend is Courtney Love had Kurt Cobain killed. There have been movies about this. There have been podcasts about this. It's not true. Like I want to definitive. I want to say that like I'm on record that this is not true. Um, and you're on record stating what the record already shows. Correct. Correct. Um, so the re- here's here's why people think this though because I will admit there's enough cloudy stuff going on to make you go hmm I wonder which is it, it goes back to that just that hint of plausibility that makes these urban legends circulate. Correct. Biggest being. So the story goes, Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain were about to divorce. And instead of Courtney only getting half of Kurt's estate, she wanted the whole thing. So what better way to do that than to off him? And what better way to off him than to hire some biker dude musician from Seattle who conveniently goes by the villain name El Duce? (laughs) 
I think he was in season three of Breaking Bad. That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> um, she hires this El Duce or offers. This is the thing. He was offered $50,000 to kill Kurt. According to El Duce himself, he says, I, I was offered the money. I did not do it. And then he died a couple of days later and El Duce had some sort of, you know, crisis of conscience going, oh my God, Courtney had him killed. Um, the thing is, we can't take that any further because after going on record that he was offered money to kill Kurt Cobain, he also mysteriously died after being run over by a train. That's called covering your tracks, my friends, your train tracks. Uh, yeah. Boom. So El Duce is dead, right? Uh, according to the autopsy, Kurt Cobain dies of a gunshot to the head, but in his system is three times the lethal dose of heroin. Therefore, it would be impossible for Kurt Cobain to be able to work a gun, right? Except Kurt Cobain is one of the most massive heroin users of all time. So who's to say what a lethal dose of heroin is to a guy who's taking lethal doses of heroin on the regular, right? Mm-hmm. Also, I, I, I'm going to pause this for a second because I can, I can feel the anger from the, you know, the Cobain conspiracy believers like just sharpening their knives for me right now. I can hear this. He's got too much heroin in his system to function. Maybe, maybe. The shotgun shell is on the wrong side of the gun when they find him on the when they find the body, maybe. Uh, the other big evidence is that there's uh, two different handwritings on the suicide note. Again, maybe. And then the the biggest damning thing of all is that Courtney Love hired a uh, private detective to look for Kurt during this time. He could never find Kurt but got so suspicious of Courtney that he has since gone on to write books and uh, break the, uh, the um, witness confidentiality rules to like, you know, spill some beans on Courtney. Um, Or or, or I guess we can just make it really simple and say he broke a lot of laws to make himself famous. Yes. Right. So at the end of the day, there's a lot of sketchy things around Kurt Cobain's death. Because Kurt Cobain, whether we like it or not, was a sketchy fellow. And he was very sad and had a lot of problems that we don't understand and have a hard time coming to terms with. But he killed himself. And it sucks. But he did it. Again, Kurt was so much larger than life. People want to be able to explain, explain this differently. He, it's hard. Suicide is hard for people to accept. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a horrible, horrible thing. It's, it's, you have to be in a horrible emotional state to get to that point. And I think people just have a hard time accepting that Kurt would ever do that. I mean, he was, he was a hero. He was an icon. He was a, a true living legend when he was on this earth and people need to find another way to explain his death. Well, it, it had to have been something more sinister or diabolical because he was exalted to a, a really unbelievably high level in popular culture. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Kurt Cobain was a massively depressed drug addict with serious 
physical problems with his stomach. And it consumed him. And he had nowhere to go and took a, he took the wrong path. And it sucks because he is an icon. He's my generation's John Lennon, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's, he is, you know, when you say 90s, you think Kurt Cobain. That's forever. That yes. will forever be the case. And it's a horrible end to what could have been a really wonderful story. And I think that's why I get upset about the conspiracy theories because I don't, I don't like, it's like, I feel like we should celebrate his life and mourn his death and stop trying to make this more than what it was. Well, the the conversation, the topic of suicide is such an important one. And here we are, we're recording this in March of 2021, rolling out of a year where mental health was jeopardized for the entire population. Right. And being able to normalize that conversation about suicide is so important. And it just, it'd be so much healthier for us to acknowledge what Kurt did than try and build a different narrative around it. He killed himself. It sucks. Let's talk about why he did. Let's talk about what that impact is rather than try to build this parallel story, this parallel universe story, which isn't accurate. Unless, of course, he's still alive, JVO, and he's singing Undone the Flutter song. (laughs) (laughs) So to summarize, we'll summarize the Urban Legend podcast with the Kurt Cobain quote. I'm so happy because today I found my friends. They're in my head. Perfect. The history of alternative podcast is recorded at the 101 WKQX studios in Chicago. Subscribe on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't do drugs. Stay in school. 